You're listening to Legacy Lawyers, hosted by Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. Hi, everyone. It's Mike Haslam here. What's up, everybody? Well, Nathan, I think today I want to answer a question you get probably more often than any females. Yeah, it's a source of confusion for sure. Do you want to do you want to tell the question or am I? Yeah, well, the, so the the way it always comes to to us is I need to get in and get my will done. I need to get my will done. What we should be saying is I need to get my estate planning done because in very few cases the will is going to be adequate. Um, I think I can count on one hand the number of cases I've done where it was just a will. Maybe maybe both hands, but not very often that that's the best no. fit, huh? No. Usually, usually they need a trust as well. And yep. so that's, that's kind of like, you know, well, what's the difference between a will and a trust? That's probably how it's phrased to me most often. Mm-hmm. Is that how you hear it? Yeah. Or I've heard that I need a trust. I don't understand why. Why isn't a will sufficient? I've heard it in all kinds of iterations, but that is the core question is what is the difference between a trust and a will? Yeah. Cause if you understand the difference, then a lot of times, you know, that you need both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So without getting too bogged down in legal terms, you mean you don't want to start with like, <laughs> the mid 1300s with medieval English law. Like I I took a class in law school called medieval English law. And basically it was probate cases. And sometimes there were three lines long, but yeah, probates of wills. So you don't want to go there. Could. We're going to lose some people. Everyone will turn off there. Actually, there's probably some people out there that are going, wow, that sounds super interesting. So maybe down the road. You could do a special one. Wonder, all those I bet things. I kept that. I still a, have that. If you're a Charles Dickens fan, like I think half his books Bleak House. deal with. Yeah. State. Bleak House is the classic mm-hmm. probate gone bad <laughs> so we're talking about probate a lot why are we talking about probate a lot how are you going to strip this down and make it easy to you know i i was just gonna do our best to tell tell our audience what we tell a lot of people when we meet them but i guess before we do that we better do the oh yeah disclaimer yeah i think it's your turn to do the disclaimer. It is. it is my turn so Nathan and I are attorneys and we um, practice law in Utah and we love doing this podcast, but it is for education purpo- purposes only. 
We are not your attorneys. We're not providing you legal advice for your specific situation. You need to seek independent legal counsel so that you can make the best choice for you and your circumstances. Amen. So, Especially with regard to this question. So I have a lot of people that they come in, they say, I have a will, I'm good to go, right? And then I look at what they own and how they own it, and I have to say no. So instead of maybe saying the difference between a will and a trust, maybe it's easier to start with why a will is not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's an easier statement to start with. So most states or jurisdictions have a, have a statute that says when probate is required. So Probate is when you have to go to the courts and have them oversee the transfer of assets from a deceased person to their heirs. And so all states have kind of a threshold. They say, hey, if you have these assets, when you pass away, you have to do probate. Well, the statute doesn't care whether or not you had a will or not. They just It only cares about the what assets you are considered to own upon your death. So. Mm-hmm. Basically, if someone in most jurisdictions have more than a, has, has any real estate at all in their name when they pass away, the, the law usually requires probate. And so even though you have a will that says, I want so-and-so to get this piece of real estate, or I want the real estate to get divided between my children, the statute still requires that will to be probated. Yeah. And maybe just to kind of give it some context say that both of your parents pass away sorry did i just kill both your parents Mm -hmm. i'm sorry um i'm sure you could do it to me later both your parents pass away and you don't know anything about this is a really weird example because you do know a lot about this but um you don't know anything about probate or estate planning. And so you go in and you say, Hey, um, I need to sell my mom's house. And they pull the deed and they see that it was owned in your mom's individual name. Their response is going to be, you need to go get court permission through a probate to be able to sell your mom's home. And then you're going to hold up the will and go, wait a minute, I already have permission. And they're going to go, No, all you have is your mom's expression of wishes with regard to who should be involved in the sale of the, in the disposition of those assets, in this case, in the sale of the home. And looks like she's also indicated how she wants things divided up. Mm -hmm. And you say, but wait a minute. And and they say, no, 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 no. And... What they, what they, what they're, the reason they're doing that is because they can't do anything with the will until a judge has signed and the court has stamped what in this case would be called letters testamentary. And once you have those letters, smooth sailing, but you have to go through a probate to get those. And it makes sense why, like, how do they know that's the most current will? How do, how do they know it's not a, you know, fraudulent will? How do, 
how do they, you know what I mean? Like a third well, party. Not, yeah. They're not in a position. Only a court is in position is in a position to determine whether or not it's truly their will. A will is valid, whether or not it's been but, executed with the proper formalities. Probate so. requires notice, go to interested parties. So mm -hmm. that's how also that probate protects creditors rights. So how do they know that they're not, some creditor that should have claim to these assets. So there's just so much that a third yep. party would not know unless you show a court document. Yep. So that's why a will often doesn't accomplish a person's goal because one of the number one benefits of doing estate planning is to avoid probate. Um, and so that leads us to what a trust does. Yeah, actually, before you go there, let me tell you one instance that sticks out in my mind of when a will was appropriate as basically the main estate planning document. Um, I had a client. She was in her 90s. Um, she had worked hard her whole life. Her husband had worked hard. She was a widow. Um, they'd made good decisions about how to draw pension and social security. And she was, she was like fat rolling every month with just flush with cash. I mean, I think she made like $8,000 a month and she'd long since gotten out of the business of taking care of a yard and a house and she sold her home. She moved into a condo where everything was taken care of and she didn't own it. She just rented and she had absolutely zero qualms about just renting. And then all of her bigger accounts all had beneficiary designations on them. So those weren't headed to probate. And so in that case, yeah, we did a will as the standalone estate planning document that would transfer really nothing <laughs> to her, her personal family. property, right? Just like her furniture? Yeah. Tangible items of personal property was basically mm -hmm. the only thing that she had that would be governed by that will. Everything else was beneficiary designations. And we were really thorough about going through and checking those beneficiary designations to make sure we didn't leave any stone unturned. And, and so she was good to go, but that's not most people's situation. Most people own real estate. It's very rare now that someone doesn't have at least one piece of real estate. And in most, most states, that's all, all you need to trigger it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if you don't own real estate, then the assets have to be usually greater than like a hundred thousand, give or take, depending on the. Yeah. So. But, and a lot of those assets can be set up with beneficiary designations so that they don't need to be probated, even if they are over a hundred thousand, but things like a business interest or, um, sometimes vehicles can sometimes vehicles, a really nice truck, and then a nice camper. You're over a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, there's a couple, yeah, there's a couple of things that can push over those thresholds, but most accounts can't do allow beneficiary designations on them. So, so you don't have to count those accounts when you're doing the math. Yep. So yeah, that's kind of similar. The couple times I've been able to just do a will, it's 
usually because they didn't own any real estate and their other assets were easy to do, just beneficiary designations. But even a few people who didn't own real estate still opted for a trust because of the, um, because of how quickly they wanted the funds to go out and they had some money that would potentially go to some miners. So they didn't want it to just get paid to them if they were not yet 25. So even, even if you check off the, I don't need a, I, I don't need a trust to avoid probate. Sometimes the will, there are other reasons for sure. For sure. That's where, and that's where a good attorney can help you walk through those and check, Mm -hmm. check off what you really need. So why does, um, why does the trust avoid probate then? So a trust is basically a contract between the people making the trust and usually the people making the trust. It's one of the weirdest legal things we create, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) like when you set up a business, the the state's involved, right? The, the state blesses the creation of that entity. Yeah. This one is just, you just, at least in our jurisdiction, there's no, there's no central registry. There's no recording requirement. They're not kept in any one specific place. All private. But it's an agreement where you decide, okay, instead of owning my property as an individual, so let's let's use a house. So, so in this, let's go back to the example, your mom's, because you are a planner and you have helped your mom do her planning. She owns her home in a trust mm-hmm. and she owns her home. If, if it's a, you know, your typical revocable living trust, she owns her home in her trust and she's the trustee of that trust. And what she's done is she's appointed success. And there's the key word appointed, right? And I will, we nominate the people that we want to be involved and a court has to appoint them. Mm-hmm. But in a, in a trust, we appoint successor trustees and the document says, and the law says at the moment that Mike's mom draws her last breath, Hopefully that won't be for many years down the road, but at the moment that occurs, I'm going to take a wild stab here and guess that Mike's the trustee of the trust. Then, then the right to deal with the property um, automatically without any court intervention, without any legal proceedings, filings, documents of any kind, the legal right to dispose of that property passes to the trustee, the successor trustee, and that would be Mike. So now Mike goes into the realtor's office after his mom dies and he says, hey, I need to put this house on the market. And they pull the deed, which is always the first thing they do. They pull the deed to the property and they see, oh, this is owned in a trust. Do you have a copy of that? And you would say, yep, it's right here. And they would flip to the section that says who the successor trustee, who's the trustee after your mom passes. And it would say, and they'd say, some guy named Michael Haslam is the trustee. Who is that? And you'd say, that's me. And they'd say, prove it. And you would 
give them a form of ID, maybe two forms of ID. And then they'd ask the most important question, is your mom really deceased? And you would say, <laughs> yes, here's her death certificate, because otherwise they'd be allowing you to sell a home you don't have the right to sell. But once all those things are in place, the next question they would ask you is, when do you want to put it on the market? Mm-hmm. They would not say, I'm sorry, you have to go talk to an attorney and get court permission to sell this property. You already have permission to sell that property because the trust document says you do. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. Like the trust is giving someone, when you create the trust and you transfer the deed to the to the name of the trust, you've already you've already given the trust control of your of your estate plan. And so when you so pass, for all intents and sorry, go ahead. So when you pass away, everything you lined up can go into effect immediately, and there's not this requirement of the courts to sign off on it. Yeah, and the reason is because by taking the title of the property, um, moving it from so how would we do that? We would your mom would sign a deed that says I this property away from myself as Mike's mother and back to myself as the trustee of my trust, also Mike's mother. And you record that deed in the county recorder's office in the county where the property is located. And when you do that, what you've essentially done is remove that asset from the class of or from the category, I don't know, from the line on the balance sheet that would be subject to probate, right? So you've mm-hmm. essentially given that property beneficiary designations by virtue of the fact that you moved it into a, a trust. So it's no longer subject to probate. Therefore, doesn't matter what your mom's will says about what should happen to that property. Your trust is going to, her trust is going to govern that. Yeah. And that's a key point. Like a lot of people say, Hey, I read my mom's will and it said this. And well, the will isn't in charge of anything because everything was owned by the trust. So it doesn't matter what the will says. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's so confusing to people. They're like, wait a minute, wait, how, how can that be? And I guess basically what we have to understand is that at a certain point, people got so tired of probate. I don't know. I don't know the actual origin of trusts. Maybe you do, but I always tell people, people got so sick and tired of needing a probate wills that somebody, some creative lawyer dreamt up, okay, how would we use a contract to skirt to legally get around this probate requirement? And that's how trusts came into existence. That may not be how it happened, but. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I like they, they used I mean, for a long time, they were considered like a tool for the really wealthy, wealthy, right? And mm-hmm. it was to avoid taxes and to pass wealth on for generations. But then it be, but now today, it's it's a tool of just the average person to avoid probate and make things easy for their family. And so, yeah, and in some cases that we've talked about, somebody that has basically nothing left to their name, except a house, mm-hmm. they need a trust more than anybody because of some of the things that a trust can do, because we know avoiding probate is the only one reason 
that you would use a trust. It's one of the main reasons, but it's only one of the, it's only one reason. So, so, so yeah, it's not a tool for the wealthy only now. It's basically, if you own real estate, you probably should have a trust. You need a trust. Pretty rare. Pretty hard seek, to justify. Seek now. counsel with regard to this. I'm not giving legal advice. I'm stating a general <clears throat> proposition that I think is probably true in a lot of cases, most cases. And that is that if you own real estate, you need to at least consider a trust. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, you probably need a trust. And so how, how it works is you, even though you create a trust, you still have a will because the trust is only in charge of what you transfer to the trust. And so often people forget to transfer something to their trust or they buy or acquire a new asset later on and forget to put in the trust or they misunderstood something their attorney said, or they thought the attorney did it. And so there's a lot of reasons that that things do not get transferred to the trust properly. And so if that doesn't happen, then it falls back into what we call your estate and that it, it, it basically it falls back into the controls oh, yes. of your will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's super confusing to people. So maybe the better way for me to have said that earlier is um, if you own real estate, you probably need a trust with a will, mm-hmm. a trust with a will that's kind of dovetailed into it. We usually call it a pour over will because what it's the, what the will says is upon my death, if there is anything in my estate, it should be transferred over to the trust. Mm-hmm. And then that way it can just follow whatever rules you had for the trust. And now if there's people out there like me, and I'm sure there are, then they're thinking, well, then if the will just says it can pour over into the trust, then why do we have to bother with this deed thing? And that's because the one way that you will defeat the pour over will is to leave real estate. One sure way to defeat it is to leave real estate outside of the trust. Subject to the will. Even though the will says transfer to the trust, depending on what you left out, you you can still have to do probate to move it over to the trust. Mm -hmm. And so... So the reason it goes to the trust is so you don't have conflicting instructions. You don't want the will to say one thing and the trust to say something else and them to be in conflict. Um, But you don't, you don't want to have to ever use that pour over will because it might mean you're doing probate. So don't do that. So that's a, that's a very, that's the best me and Mike can do to strip that down. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line, yeah, I mean, to simplify it is a trust avoids probate, a will does not. And so if you think you have a probate issue, you should be doing a trust. And that's the difference really between a will and a trust is what they can do. Yep. Yeah, I think that covers it. Cool. Short, sweet, to the point. So if you think you have the right, the wrong plan, do a review with your attorney and review those issues. If you have acquired assets since you did your estate planning, do a review with your attorney and make sure things are in your trust properly. And 
if um, if you aren't if you've never done any planning, then get it done. Then, then what are we? Thirty episodes in, and you still haven't done planning. Start at the beginning and listen to everything going forward. Yeah. So, make an appointment with an attorney. Then start listening to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Get it done. So today's was kind of a short and to the point episode, but yeah. If we go any further, I think we're gonna. I mean, some some people may have to listen to this twice to get it, but but I think we did the best we could at stripping it down. So if if you if you want more, listen to this episode twice. There you go. <laughs> like it. All right. Thanks everyone. All right. Thanks everybody. See you next. You've been listening to Legacy Lawyers with Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. We give you the juicy detail of cases that our law firm has dealt with. We take out the lawyer talk and legalese and show you what options some of our clients had to choose from to fix their situation. The effects of not doing planning can be devastating. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook and Instagram at Voyant Legal. Call us at 801-951-0500 or send us an email at team at voyantlegal.com. And for commonly asked questions, hit voyantlegal.com slash resources. We'll see you next time.